section forty seven masterpieces of negro eloquence edited by alice dunbar nelson this librivox recording is in the public domain emancipation and racial advancement by the rev ernest lyon doctor of divinity doctor of laws mr chairman members of the celebration committee ladies and gentlemen we are not here to-day in the capacity of the priest performing the funeral rites over the graves of the dead neither are we here simply to offer tribute to their memory by the time honoured custom of decorating their graves with the faded tokens of a nation's love and gratitude but we are here ladies and gentlemen to cheer the hearts of the living not by an optimism impossible of realization but by a candid and truthful report of the conduct of that legacy of freedom which came to us fifty years ago through the sacrifice and death of the patriots living and dead whose memories are honored to-day all over this broad land of ours the civilized world will watch for the newspaper reports of to-morrow to learn the sentiments of the american people uttered to-day upon many of the burning issues before the congress of the united states relating to our domestic and foreign policies the opportunities which this day gives will be seized by national orators to record their convictions upon matters of morality politics and diplomacy japan will listen with keen diplomatic interest to every utterance official or unofficial touching the vexing problems involved in the so-called yellow peril and in the anti-alien land legislation which like segregation and the jim crowism of the south have been enacted into laws discriminating against citizens not aliens but citizens of the united states of america such as we are many to-day believe that the gravity of these international matters will force the decoration day orators to ignore the negro question which in some form or other has been the livest question in american politics for nearly three centuries in this belief i think they will be disappointed for no question before the american people to-day whether national or international can overshadow the negro question in america and no day as historic as this would be complete in its observance without some reference to it we therefore gladly welcome the japanese or any other members of the colored race in the earth to come and share with us that notoriety which our presence begets in this country for no other people on the face of the globe so far as the united states is concerned will be able to dispossess us from the limelight of public discussion we have not only helped but we have made history in this country we are wrapped up in the history of the united states of america despite the attempt in certain quarters to deny us a respectful place therein there is not a single page from the period of its colonial existence to its present standard of greatness and renown from which we are absent from the landing of the pilgrims at plymouth rock to the advent of the cavaliers at jamestown from the stirring periods of the revolution which resulted in the emancipation of the colonists from british imperialism to the rebellion in eighteen sixty resulting 
in the salvation of the federal union we have ever and always been a potent factor in the history of this country our presence here has made this day possible there would have been no decoration day had the american kidnappers left us in africa our fatherland the world must therefore hear from us upon these special occasions so like other elements of the population we come to-day to make our annual report we come in company with the others to review the past to study the present and if possible to forecast the future in measuring the progress of any successful commercial enterprise the mode of procedure is to compare beginnings with balance sheets commercially speaking it is to take an inventory what therefore is true of any commercial enterprise is equally true of races and individuals the modus operandi is the same in fact we proceed by comparing beginnings with beginnings environments with environments and the advantage and disadvantages of the past and present this is the mode by which the progress of a race or the attainments of an individual must be measured and the negro race offers no exception to this rule it was wendell phillips one of america's greatest statesmen jurists and orators who said in that marvellous lecture on toussaint louverture beyond doubt the greatest military genius of the nineteenth century that there are two ways by which anglo-saxon civilization measures races first by the great men produced by that race secondly by the average merit of the mass of that race in support of the first he bravely summoned to his presence from the regions of the dead the immortal bacon shakespeare hampton hancock washington and franklin offering them as stars who in their day had lent lustre in the galaxy of history and with equal pride he gloried in the average merit of anglo-saxon blood since it first streamed from its german home in support of the contention of the second way as a race we shall offer no objection to this principle of judgment in fact we cannot even if we so desired we shall therefore accept it without any reluctance we think it is a good principle upon which to base a judgment the only consideration we demand in connection with it is that the white american in his judgment of the afro-american shall strictly observe the rule which the race he represents has set for itself that is to say let him measure our race by the great and useful men it has produced since the immortal abraham lincoln issued that proclamation whose fiftieth anniversary we celebrate to-day giving freedom to four and one-half millions of human beings let him measure us by the average merit of afro-american blood since it first streamed from the land of the pharaohs whose wills were inscribed in hieroglyphics long before phoenicia invented the alphabet long before the conquest of alexander the great had enabled Erastothenes and apollodorus to construct their synchrony of egyptian antiquity long before the construction of the pyramids those silent but eloquent tributes to the grandeur and majesty of the african intellect had proclaimed the immortality of the soul our record in this country mr chairman must begin with the emancipation period the emancipation is our birthday mankind therefore in measuring our progress must in order to be just make emancipation its starting point previous to that period we were like the earth in its primeval condition as described by moses the great lawgiver in the book of the generations 
namely that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep so too were we before the issuance of the emancipation proclamation we were without national form void of civic rights and moral and intellectual darkness covered the minds and souls and spirits of the race what was the condition of the race when the emancipation proclamation was first issued a half century ago commercially speaking what were the assets of this race had it anything to its credit in the balance sheets of human progress save the evils accruing from a long period of bondage the facts will prove that it had nothing to its credit but the virtues of patience and endurance under trials and afflictions the horrors of which will form one of the darkest chapters in the history of this country the twenty africans brought by the slave traders to jamestown in sixteen twenty representing the introduction of african slavery into the united states in two hundred and forty-three years had increased to four and one-half millions of human souls and it is fair to presume that an equal if not a greater number than this had perished on account of the rigors of transmission in crossing the atlantic ocean and the indescribable cruelties of the slave system at home the proclamation of emancipation found these four and one-half millions of human beings practically homeless penniless and friendless and absolutely dependent upon the very same people to whom they were in bondage for two hundred and forty years and against whom they had taken up arms in a civil war the forty acres of land and two mules which were promised by the federal government never materialized that promise was like the proverbial pie-crust made to be broken and the descendants of these four and a half millions are to-day entitled by every humane consideration to all the benefits and the equities in the case the federal government at washington can only purge itself of this breach of promise by paying the bill with legal interest if not according to the legal terms of the agreement forty acres and two mules then in its just equivalents either by pensioning the survivors of the slave system many who are to-day in abject squalor and want or by a liberal grant of money to the schools of the land charged with the educational development of their much proscribed posterity what of the race's mental condition at the time of its civic birth there were scarcely any at that time who could either read or write with any degree of proficiency not because they were incapable of learning not because of any mental inferiority but because of the cruel and unjust law prohibiting their education and making it a criminal offence not only for the negro himself but for any white man who should undertake to instruct him punishment was so severe along this line that the very sight of a book awed him into fear and fright the very existence of such a law was indeed an admission of the educational possibilities of the race in the year eighteen sixty three there were about twenty members of the race who had received collegiate training mathematically speaking it took three hundred years to pull twenty negroes through the colleges of the land so great was the combination against our mental development what was our status in the business pursuits and gainful occupations at that time the year eighteen sixty three is as far back as we desire to go for this inquiry when the entire race with but a few exceptions were servants restricted to menial employment and plantation occupations what was the moral status of the race at that period here there are two sides involved in any answer which might be given to this question the evidences of unlawful miscegenation 
present themselves to every traveller throughout this country and is in itself a pertinent answer to this query our women have had to fight against indescribable odds in order to preserve their womanhood from the attacks of moral lepers who very often were their masters and overseers yet in spite of these well-known facts we have produced women among us of pure and good morals with unimpeachable reputation for virtue and purity sometimes it is a little amusing to hear the white american expatiate on the immorality of negro women they certainly cannot forget their own record in their dealings with the helpless negro women of this country but here we will let the curtain of secrecy fall upon such a scene and we shall advance to a higher and nobler plane upon this day when nothing but good feeling must be allowed a place on the programme watchman what of the night what tidings does the morning bring if any has the future nothing in store for america's greatest factors in her industrial and commercial development let us turn from the past what of the present in spite of the dehumanizing and other efforts to destroy the fecundity of the race the twenty africans of sixteen twenty by the close of the revolution had increased to six hundred and fifty thousand and these six hundred and fifty thousand at the close of the civil war had reached the alarming number of four and one-half millions and these four and one-half millions had according to the last federal census reached the astonishing number of ten millions or more of native-born citizens entitled though sometimes denied to every right and privilege granted by the constitution of the united states and by the fourteenth and fifteenth amendments thereof the making and sustaining of which our fathers contributed much of their blood and sacrifice in peace as well as in war for we have been present not only as spectators but as active participants in every trying crisis in the history of this nation in the beginning of the seventeenth century when labor troubles threatened the very life of the infant colony and continuing to the founding of the republic when white men were held in peonage or actual bondage for the uncancelled financial obligations due to the nobility of great britain who furnished the labor which solved the vexed problem who furnished the brawn and muscle which cleared the forests leveled the hills tunneled the mountains bridged the rivers laid the tracks and cultivated the fields until this broad land had become as beautiful as the lily of the valley and as fragrant as the rose of sharon in seventeen seventy six when despotism was enthroned and liberty languished in the streets of boston was it not the blood of a negro crispus attucks which animated the sinking spirit of the goddess who was almost ready to die under the oppression of king george and the despotism of cornwallis in the sixties when lincoln despairing of the outcome of the civil war on account of the treachery in his own ranks and repeated reverses on the battlefield called for seventy five thousand volunteers to suppress the rebellion in the south who came to the rescue of the union in spite of the effort of mcclellan and his company of fifty thousand soldiers who went to richmond to prevent niggers as they were called from enlisting who came to the rescue of the union whose blood helped to render the testament of liberty valid asked port hudson and milligan's bend and fort wagner and fort pillow and pittsburgh landing how the nearly two hundred thousand negro soldiers behaved themselves under the fire of the enemy on these memorable battlefields rendered sacred by their patriotic blood who saved the rough riders and colonel roosevelt in the late spanish-american war when san juan was illuminated with the fire of spanish cannonading hark methinks i hear the tramp of the black boys of the twenty fourth 
and the twenty-fifth cavalry chanting to the strains of martial music glory hallelujah we are going to have a hot time in the old town to-night as they dashed up the dangerous parapet to defend the honour of their country and to keep old glory from trailing in the dust at the close of the civil war we were without homes lands or money to-day according to the last census of the united states we own six hundred thousand homes twenty million acres of farmland covering an area equal to the political dominions of the kingdoms of belgium and holland we have under cultivation forty million acres of farmlands including those farms rented by our people and those owned in fee simple and worth five hundred million dollars the gross incomes from the farms conducted by negroes amount to two hundred fifty million dollars annually we own ten thousand business establishments three hundred drug stores and fifty-seven banks at the close of the civil war we were without schools without men of letters without men in the various professions and lucrative avocations of life to-day we have two hundred universities colleges and schools of lower grade supported by the race we have three million negro children attending these schools and the public schools of the land we have written two thousand books we edit and conduct two hundred periodicals and magazines in forty years we have contributed as levies for school purposes forty five million dollars with a membership of four million we have thirty five thousand churches valued at fifty six million dollars and contribute annually seven million five hundred thousand dollars to their support we contribute annually six million dollars to secret and benevolent societies we have about forty thousand teachers one thousand five hundred lawyers two thousand five hundred doctors twenty thousand preachers and eighty thousand businessmen marvellous marvellous a race that can produce in fifty years beginning with nothing such a report as this whose minutest detail is supported by official statistics needs no pity mr chairman a race that can produce a douglas a langston a hood a scott a turner a harvey johnson a bruce a payne an arnett a revels a price an elliot a montgomery a bowen a mason a dunbar a dubois and last but not least a booker t washington the foremost genius of our vocational and industrial training asked not for pity it only asked for an equal opportunity in the race of life it asked not for special legislation to accommodate any necessity it simply asked for a just application of existing laws to all citizens alike without any reference to race or color or previous condition of servitude the representatives of this race in this year of our lord nineteen thirteen asked the american people to judge them upon the record of their great and useful men and women which the race has produced in less than a half century and upon the average merit of the mass of the race since the emancipation proclamation was issued by the immortal lincoln in concluding this brief summary for at best it can only be regarded as a brief summary of the doings of the race and standing on the threshold of a new era in politics in commerce in religion and in ethics a new era in the feeling and temper of the white american towards the afro-american i ask you ladies and gentlemen what shall be our conduct in the future watchmen what shall be the forecast mr chairman the forecast is bright brighter than it has ever been in any previous period of the racist history in this nation and i make this statement in the fullest appreciation of the efforts which are being made all over this land by adverse legislation to weed us out of politics and other public preferments to push us into a corner to ourselves in both church and state a propaganda which has brought gloom 
to many of our leaders producing a pessimism inimical to progress but why a pessimistic outlook mr chairman is it possible to deprive ten million native-born american citizens from the enjoyment of their rights and privileges guaranteed alike to all by the constitution of the united states i think not such a condition mr chairman would be like an established government with no diplomatic representative at court no matter what methods are adopted some of the representative men of our race unexpectedly or otherwise in the final analysis will slip in if not in the congress of the united states then in the legislatures and in the municipal governments of the state such for example as lawyer bass in philadelphia pennsylvania councilman cummings in baltimore smith in the legislature of ohio fitzgerald in new jersey and jackson in illinois no arrangement no matter how planned can ultimately defeat this logical result which patience alone will produce god in time ladies and gentlemen are important factors in the solution of these questions fifty years are not sufficient to determine the possibilities of a race no seer who knew the ancestors of the anglo-saxons as caesar knew them would have foretold such a future as they now enjoy this anglo-saxon race whose ancestors worshipped the mistletoe offered human sacrifices and drank wine out of human skulls have now become the conquerors and the dominant race on the earth their literature is the cream of the human intellect and their tongue promises to become the official lingua of the earth god and time have wrought these things for them and what god and time have wrought for one race god and time can accomplish for another race if that race remain true to itself and to god if you ask me for the ground of my optimism i reply it is based upon two things namely the ability of the race itself to overcome difficulties and obstacles and the overruling providence of god based upon his justice and his righteousness it is hardly possible for this negro race to experience any greater difficulties and obstacles in the future than it has already experienced in the past it has overcome every obstacle with heroic courage from slavery to the present period of its marvellous success without discounting the human efforts of the race it has accomplished all of this by an heroic faith in god and in the justice and righteousness of his character as practised by our ancestors in the days of their bitterest afflictions when weakness characterised the arm of flesh personally i believe in god and in his justice and righteousness and i have never lost faith in the benevolent brotherhood of mankind i believe that right like god is eternal and unchangeable and since right is right and god is god right must ultimately prevail though its final triumph may be retarded by the operation of wicked devices nevertheless it must prevail end of section forty seven